Huckabee, Todd Starnes, Mission to Save America from Cultural Jihad. Frank Siller and Darrell Worley never forget 9-11. And comedian Brad Trackman performs. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Whoa, what a great audience we've got here in Hendersonville. And by the way, if you've not come to our show in person, you ought to get some of our tickets, because they're free. And you can show up and be right here in our studio audience like these wonderful folks are. Now, if you've been watching the show lately, you know I've been pushing for some real reforms in our government the past few months, such as term limits for elected and appointed officials. Uh, changing the way that presidential debates are structured so that they're more about the candidates and not just game show money makers for TV networks. And we've talked about a health care structure that won't be embraced by probably either Democrats or Republicans because it's a pragmatic rather than a political solution. Now, I've also explained why politicians need to stop making the taxpayers pony up for their political campaigns while never doing the job they were elected to do. So tonight... Tonight, I want to add another proposal that Congress ought to pass, but probably never will. Here it is. End lucrative congressional pensions and let members of Congress simply pay in to the same Social Security system that you have. Now, there have been a few reforms in pensions, but if members stay long enough, and most of them do, they can receive up to 80% of the average of their three highest years of salary beginning at age 62. They actually can start receiving a pension at age 50 if they put in 20 years, or at any age after 25 years of service. Not bad, unless you're the one giving it and not the one getting it. You know, members become eligible for some pension after just five years although not the full amount that they get for staying around. And that's one of the reasons you will never see Congress impose term limits on themselves. I wouldn't begrudge members for having a pension in which they match contributed funds to a personal 401k plan, just like a lot of private sector firms do. But in addition to Congress getting pension plans, some of them, including way too many Republicans, want to cut Social Security benefits for the workers who paid into it. Now, some even call Social Security an entitlement. And that's like saying that those who receive it are virtually getting a government handout. Well, those who followed my presidential campaigns, and obviously not enough did, <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. They would know that the only candidate who said that we shouldn't be cutting Social Security other than me was then-candidate Donald Trump. And I said we shouldn't even be talking about cutting Social Security benefits for workers because Social Security is not a gift that the government gives to us. It is made up of the funds that we, the American workers, paid in over our entire lifetimes. And, I'll, yes, sir. And to be clear, hey, we didn't make those contributions voluntarily or just when we could afford to. That money got taken out of our checks before we ever saw a penny of our pay. And supposedly the government took those funds and they protected them and they invested them so that when we came of retirement age, our money, yes, our money would be there to supplement our retirement. But the government stole that money, and they used it for other things. And when they got caught and the funds were in danger of drying up before everyone could get their own money out, politicians started talking about reducing the benefits by changing the rules and cutting the amount of the benefits. I want to repeat, Social Security is not welfare. I started paying into it when I was 14 and working two jobs. 
be honest with you, I sure could have used that money then. But the government didn't let me choose or even defer payments. So 50 years later, do they really think I'm so dumb as to not notice if they try to change the rules long after the game has started? So I think Congress will work harder to save Social Security if they have their money there instead of some special pension to lean on. But in the meantime, don't even talk about stealing grandpa's social security funds. Cause now partner, I am grandpa. Well, my first guest is a popular Fox News commentator. He's a radio host, a columnist, and an author who has dedicated himself to exposing the left's war on traditional American values. He's got a brand new book, a great book. It's called Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. It releases this very week. Would you please welcome my good friend, Todd Starnes. You know, Todd, I just happen to have your book right here. It's subtle, isn't it? It is subtle. I mean, you see flames coming up on the Capitol. So what are some of the values that you feel like are under attack and really the target of the jihad that you speak of? Well, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of talk about America. Has America ever been a Christian nation? Well, I believe the answer to that question is yes. America is a Christian nation. And um, we heard... You know, it was, it was President John Adams who said our Constitution is not meant for any people other than a religious people. Hmm. So when you take religious liberty out of the equation, that's the glue that holds it all together. And that's why we're seeing attacks on religious liberty and free speech, the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. What was it that Ronald Reagan said? If we stop being one nation under God, we're a nation gone under. One of the stories you brought up is in the music industry and... I happen to be acquainted with one of the guys you talked about in that uh, particular chapter. You're like a star in the book, uh, Governor. Uh, we, um, we took a look at how, how the, the war on the culture, the culture jihad, actually took place in Nashville, Tennessee, and how the country music industry is actually swinging towards the left. And uh, I provide a lot of examples of that, but one in particular uh, was, was an episode that you were a part of. And I discovered, Governor, in, in my uh, studies of what was happening here in the southern states, that liberalism is a lot like kudzu. Uh, once it starts growing and once it takes root, it kills everything uh, that it touches, much like liberalism, for example. <laughs> well, give me a couple of examples of ways in which you say America has really started shifting in its culture. Well, the most important way is, is the, the war on religious liberty, where we have people uh, that are not even allowed to practice their faith in some cities because of draconian laws that were established by the Democrats. California is a great example of that, where they, they're literally coming after churches and pastors and people of faith. Uh, I tell a story about what happened in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where a Catholic farmer was told he would no longer be able to sell his produce at the farmer's market because he refused to allow um, certain marriages on the family farm. But it's, it's, it goes far beyond that, Governor. We're talking about attacks on, um, on books and culture. Uh, for example, there are efforts to ban books like To Kill a Mockingbird, um, Little House on the Prairie. Those are dangerous books, though, Todd. And, and our founding fathers, Governor, uh, you know, there's a, a war raging right now in San Francisco about literally whitewashing, painting over, whitewashing a mural of George Washington because now George Washington, our founding father, is uh, considered offensive and inappropriate for this day and age. So if George Washington is no longer fit as a role model, and having read stories of his life, he was a remarkable human being, a very humble man, and really had qualities that I think all of us could wish for in public officials. If he's not acceptable anymore, who we got left? Well, look, this, so the question is, why all these attacks? Why is it that they're going after religious liberty and free speech? Why do they want to disarm the, the American people? And the answer is very clear to me. It's socialism. You see, socialism can't take root if we are a people that base our, our nation on Judeo-Christian teachings. 
uh, they cannot take over if just about every citizen is, is holding a, a firearm. They, they can't do that. And I believe that is ultimately the goal here. They literally want to destroy this nation so they can build something else. Remember what Barack Obama promised the American people. He wanted to fundamentally transform America. Yeah. He delivered on that promise. And thank God for Donald Trump because he's been able to reverse a lot of that, um, a lot of those, those changes. Maybe the only talk show in America where you can mention his name and get a cheer. You know? I, I mean, every I didn't other. That's a duck. I, wow, that's, that's great. Just this week, we saw New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees. Yeah. Uh, whether you're a Saints fan or not, he, he's a very committed Christian believer, and he made a simple little television spot encouraging high school students across America to participate in Bring Your Bible to School Day, which is in September. He got beaten up because people said that this whole thing about bringing your Bible was, um, it was anti-gay, it was homophobic. It had nothing to do with any of that. And, and Drew came out and said, look, I, I don't hate anybody. I'm not against anybody, but I think the Bible is a great book and students ought to take it to school with them. But what's wrong with America when a student is, is basically um, vilified for taking his or her Bible to school. The reason why is because the leftists have taken over public schools and our public schools have become the engine for this social change, this cultural change. So a lot of people just have no idea that they're literally funding with their tax dollars this change on the culture. That's, that's why it was so important for me to write this book so that moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas and taxpayers could understand that if they, wanted, if they want to change America, it's not just at the White House, it's also in their local communities. We have to embrace everybody. Uh, this is America. You're free to live your life however you want to live your life. But don't tell me to shut up and don't tell me to be quiet and go back home. Outstanding. The book is Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. It releases September the 10th. I mean, like literally this week. You can pre-order it even tonight on Amazon. And if you'd like an autographed copy or get one of Todd's other books, he's written six books. So you can visit toddstarns.com and that's how you get an autographed copy. You'll follow him on Facebook and Instagram at toddstarnsfnc and on Twitter at toddstarns. I hope you will get this book. It will open your eyes. Now, if you're ready for more news analysis and my take on actress Deborah Messing's call for a blacklist against conservatives in Hollywood, or Congressman Devin Nunes' lawsuit against Fusion GPS, and what happens when Democratic presidential candidates are mean to each other? If you want to know any of that stuff, just drop by Huckabee.tv after the show for my latest edition of Facts of the Matter exclusively on our website, Huckabee.tv. Well, the left has failed to kill my show. So Keith Bilbrey, why don't you help us celebrate by telling what we still have coming up? Well, I'd be glad to. Coming up, 9-11's Huck's hero, Frank Siller, and comedian Brad Trackman. Then, Democratic presidential candidate, Ami Horowitz is here on Huckabee. Samaritan's Purse is on the ground of the Bahamas following Hurricane Dorian's deadly assault. Now, the people there are absolutely reeling from that catastrophe. And as you heard Franklin Graham, help is required right now. Samaritan's Purse has deployed a 40-bed mobile field hospital in the Bahamas, and it's providing life-saving care. In addition, over 30 tons of emergency supplies have already been airlifted those are there to aid survivors of the hurricane disaster. Samaritan's Purse will work day and night to provide needed relief, food, clean water, temporary shelter, and then to help people rebuild their own homes. But they do need two things from you and me. They need our prayers and they need our financial help. I personally, I went online the other day as soon as I saw the hurricane strike and saw the devastation I made a personal donation to Samaritan's Purse, and I'll tell you why. Because I trust Samaritan's Purse to use the money carefully and effectively. I've seen them do it. And I know they're not just gonna help people with physical needs, but spiritual needs as well. Now, please don't wait. Pray about what you can do right now, and then call Samaritan's Purse, or go to their website. 
and I hope you will give a generous gift to help people in the Bahamas and all in the path of the hurricane. God bless you for helping through Samaritan's Purse. Well, students in public schools today weren't alive to witness the terror of the attacks of September 11. Their knowledge of the event is relegated to maybe a few pages in a history book. My Hux hero tonight has made it his mission to keep the stories and heroism and sacrifice of 9-11 from ever fading into the pages of history. With me tonight is the chairman and CEO of the Stephen Siller Tunnel to Towers Foundation, Frank Siller. Frank, so glad to have you with me. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you here very today. much. Frank, there are a lot of people who have done things to try to help us remember 9-11 and the incredible stories of heroism. But for you, this is not just a, an issue because you lived in New York or you were uh, associated with what happened. It's a little more personal than that. Tell me how. Well, my brother was a New York City firefighter who on September 11, 2001, was just finished his night tour in Squad One in Brooklyn. And he's, he was on his way home to play golf with myself and my other brothers. He heard on his radio scanner that the towers were hit. So what do firemen do? They go back, he went, he got his gear, he drove to the mouth of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel where it was closed for security reasons. Now, for those that don't know, that Brooklyn Battery Tunnel is almost two miles long. Hmm. No one was allowed through. He put his gear on his back and on foot, ran through that tunnel, went up West Street into the South Tower, we believe it was the South Tower because we never recovered him, and uh, went up those stairs, and while saving people, he gave up his life. Mm. Uh, he was the youngest of seven. He was our little brother. He was married, had five beautiful children. Oh, my. Yeah, and uh, we raised him, too, because by the time Stephen was 10, my parents had passed away. So it was a tremendous loss for us, but we decided very soon that we wanted to honor the sacrifice, not just by Stephen, but all those who perished that day. And we started the Stephen Siller Tunnel to Towers Foundation. 2011, there was the first quadruple amputee ever survive any war, Brenda Morocco, from our hometown, Staten Island, New York, conservative area. Um, and um, and uh, we went and visited him down to Walter Reed. And we said, hey, Brenda, can we build you a home? And we built our first home for mm. a quadruple amputee. And now we've built 75 homes because we saw such a big difference that it made in his life. And you're doing that for military as well as other first responders who have been severely uh, injured while saving the lives of other people. Hey, I think as Americans, we have to say, hey, you know, when you leave to protect our country or our communities, and when you give your kids a kiss goodbye, and your wife a kiss goodbye, and you don't come home, that we're gonna be there for your families that are left behind. Absolutely. Right. I cannot agree more, Frank. I mean, if there's one group of people to whom we owe our first fruits of the federal treasury, it's our military and our first responders who are on the front line for us and in place of us. One of the things I admire most about the foundation that you have set up over 93% of every dime that you guys raise actually go to the, to the intention exactly. of the organization, to build the homes, to help families. Well, we're blessed because we have a lot of volunteers. I'm on with you here today spreading the message. We have a campaign. It's very simple. We're asking all Americans to donate $11 a month. Hmm. If we had a million people donate $11 a month, I could, every year, for every cop and firefighter die in a line of duty and leave young kids behind, we could pay off their mortgages. Every Gold Star hmm. family that die in the line of duty protecting their country, we could give them a mortgage-free home. And for any, every catastrophically injured service member that comes back missing three, four limbs or paraplegic, we could give them a smart home, a home that gives them back some of their independence. $11 a month. I think most people could do $11 a month, don't you? Yeah. That's less than uh, probably a lunch out for a exactly, lot of people. Exactly, exactly. So, Frank, tell me some of the people that you've helped. I mean, I'm sure that there are moments where tears get into your eyes, not just thinking back about your brother, but also watching the extraordinary need met by the people that you help. You know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a miracle, to be quite frank with you. Um, as a foundation, we never thought we were going to do all these things. We just wanted to honor my brother, my little brother. 
And to think of where we are today, you know, I, I meet the greatest of all Americans. I greet these families. Uh, you know, I meet uh, Jenny Taylor, if you remember, the mayor out uh, who died um, in Utah. Uh, his wife was left behind with seven kids. I met, you know, being with them, the seven kids. She's a spectacular person. You know, they marry these great women that are so strong themselves because they're always out serving, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a first responder or military, they're always somewhere else, you're not always home. Uh, so the, the women uh, that they marry are very strong. Um, I meet uh, tremendous families. Uh, detectives Lou and Ramos, for those who remember, in December 20, 2014, the two police officers that were in a car in Brooklyn yeah. and some crazy person because it was a false narrative yeah. being preached at that time, that cops were bad. Um, you know, we immediately raised the money to pay off their mortgages. You know, that's when we started with mm. the fallen first responders. I remember what a horrible thing. They were ambushed and just shot down in cold blood while sitting in their cruiser. Those kind of stories remind us how dangerous it is for firemen, police officers, uh, for our military, and we need to just not forget them. You are our Huck's hero for a good reason, because you're doing heroic work for the true heroes of our great nation. And Frank, thank you. I really appreciate thank you, you very being much. here. What a boy. I have a little something for you. What do you have? This is official fire from the Fire Commission of New York City as the 343 represents the 343 firefighters who died that day. Mm. And of course, it has 9-11. This is for you, Governor. Thank you very much. You know, as the son of a fireman, that's why I got I it. truly, truly cherish this as a great reminder of what my own father did. And uh, I'm so glad that people are appreciating firemen in the way they never did before. Come to the run, New York City, last Sunday in September every year, 30,000 people. Your buddy Rudy Giuliani starts, us for, starts it for us every single year. Come and join us. We'd love to have I'll you. tell Rudy he and I will run it together, <laughs> but I'm going to let him carry my 60-pound pack. How's okay. that? How about 30 each? <laughs> <laughs> well, to learn more, to join a run, or even donate to this wonderful foundation, visit tunneltotowers.org. That's tunnel, then the number two, towers.org, a very worthy cause. Hey, Keith, give us the scoop on what's coming up after the break. Well, next, comedian Brad Trackman gets us laughing, and then we go to Music City Station Inn for a gospel sing. Plus, country music singer Darrell Orley honors America's heroes on Huckabee. Welcome back. And don't we love the music of Trey Corley and the Music City Connection over there? Yes, we do. Hardest working band in all of television and the best band in Nashville. And that's saying something in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, my next guest has been making people laugh for many years. He has appeared on Comedy Central, NBC, and CBS's Late Late Show. He is a funny yet squeaky clean pro. And he's even had the honor of opening for greats like the late Joan Rivers, Robin Williams, and the always funny Dana Carvey. Would you please welcome to our show for the first time, the pride of Medford, New Jersey, Mr. Brad Trackman. Pleasure to be here, everybody. Pleasure to be here. And uh, my wife and I, we just celebrated our 14-year wedding anniversary. Oh. Thank you so much. I deserve that. Thank you. <laughs> this past year has been very difficult. My wife has been suffering from a sciatic nerve, which is just extremely painful for me to keep hearing about. <laughs> for our anniversary, I bought her a Tiffany bracelet. Clothes, makeup, she got all dialed up. She looked fantastic. I said, honey, you look amazing. I'm still the same girl on the inside. I know we'll work on your personality next. It's a process. <laughs> She's always giving me facts, innocuous things that shouldn't bother me, but they do. Did you know that geese and swan mate for life? They pick one partner, and they stick with this partner forever. Yeah, which explains why it's so common for geese and swan to fly into jet engines. 
Checkouts, they're becoming obsolete now. It's all the self-checkout, which I love, by the way. Back in the day, you go to the supermarket, it was beautiful. You go in, you give them your stuff, they bag it up, have a nice day, it's beautiful. Nice. Now you go, it's a big production. Have you found everything you were looking for today? I didn't know there was gonna be a quiz, but yes, I found everything I was looking for. Would you like to donate $1 to orphans that never had a hug or chocolate milk? No, I would not. But thanks for making me look cheap with the hot blonde behind me. God, God forbid you have a $100 bill. Back in the day, I floated a Ben Franklin. I felt like a man. I felt affluent. I felt successful. Now what happens? They take out that magic marker of authenticity. All of a sudden, I'm a suspect as a counterfeiter. You know what I do? When they give me my change, I take out my marker and I check theirs. You're going to check mine, I'm going to check yours. That's how I do it. My son went back to school yesterday, which was a great day for me, I can tell you that. Second he gets off the bus. Dad, I want a cell phone. All my friends have cell phones. I'm the only one that doesn't have a cell phone. I want a cell phone. You're 11 years old, you don't need a cell phone, and you're not getting a cell phone. How old were you when you had your first cell phone? <laughs> 29 years old. When you're 29, I'll buy you a cell phone, I promise. <laughs> this year is just flying by, flying by. You know, I remember New Year's Day, I ran into a friend of mine, his name's Bob. I said, hey, Bob, Happy New Year. To which he replies back to me, thanks. <laughs> thanks, as if I don't even celebrate New Year's. This upset me. I go home to my wife, I said, hey, I ran into Bob, I said, Happy New Year. And he said, thanks, she got it. But at the same time, she comes back to me. Is that the only reason you said Happy New Year to him? Was for him to say it back to you? Yes, it was. <laughs> That's the way it works. My wife will take anybody's side other than mine. I could tell her my friend stabbed me and she'd be like, what did you do? What did you say? I didn't say thanks. <laughs> thanks. Just irritates me. Just like parking tickets. I just got a parking ticket. Parking tickets are the worst ticket you can get. Especially when you see the cop writing the ticket as you're walking up to your car. Because once they start writing, they always say the same thing. I'm sorry, sir. I already started writing. There's nothing I can do anymore. Really? How about stop writing? I mean, this is some caveat that police officers have. No other profession could do this. No other profession could say, I started, now I can't stop. You know, I think I'm gonna have the chicken parmesan tonight. You know what, scratch that. Whoa. <laughs> Sir, I already started writing your order. You're gonna have to have chicken something. C-H-I, C-H-I. I want to end this by saying that uh, I woke up the other morning and my wife was already awake, staring at me. Very creepy. She looks at me, I'm waking up, I'm half out of it, and I stare at her and she's like, happy 18 years ago today, the first time we ever kissed. You know what I said? Thanks. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Right, that was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was terrific. Thank you, Governor. Thank so, you. So, how was your summer? My summer was really a lot of fun. I went to the shore this summer and uh, the Jersey Shore, right? The Jersey okay. Shore, and I noticed the trend, which I, you know, a lot of tattoos, a lot of tattoos. Now, I would love to have a tattoo, everybody. I really would, <laughs> but I'm just not cool enough to have a tattoo. 
I'm not a tattoo guy. I do not resonate tattoo. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't ride a motorcycle. I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not a guy's guy. I can't fix things, you know, but I grew up with guys like this. Yeah. We always hang out. To this day, we'll have a, a guy's night out. It's always the same thing. They're always like, hey, let's get tattoos. Let's remember tonight forever. I'm like, hey, let's get stickers. <laughs> let's forget this ever happened. I've been doing a lot of traveling this summer. Yeah. You know, and that's very difficult on a marriage to travel. You have to be good on the phone. And I happen to say, I'm very good on the phone. <laughs> My wife is like, I miss you. I'm like, I miss you. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see you. I just repeat whatever she says. <laughs> we talk so much on the phone, by the time I see her, I don't have anything left to say. <laughs> I'm like, honey, go in the other room. I'll call you. <laughs> now, you've got a book. Tell us about that. Yeah, I wrote a, uh, my first book. I just got published, everybody, so I'm pretty happy about that. Thank you so much. It's a very interesting... It's a biography on uh, a shock jock, a legendary shock jock from uh, New York City. He's also been in Boston, and he's been in the nationally syndicated. His name's Anthony Cumia from the Opie and Anthony show, and he's a controversial guy, very to the right, so I know you love him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, a rags-to-riches story, and it's a compelling, funny, great mm. book. I'm very proud of it. And it's already out? It's out. It's in bookstores everywhere. So. You killed Thank it here you tonight. So much. Thank we you. We loved having you. Thank you. Hope Thank you'll you so be much. back with us again, Brad. I hope so, too. Loved it. Thank you. By the way, Brad is doing a lot of performing over the next several months, including some international dates. So visit his website. That way you can find out when he's performing near you. And if he's not performing near you, well, then why don't you just get on an airplane or get in your car and go to him? Head to bradtrackman.com. It is on the screen. Get the details. You can also follow him on Facebook, and I hope you will. Now, if you're ready for a few more laughs, be sure and drop by Huckabee.tv, because after the show, we'll have a special In Case You Missed It segment. And we've got some news on a T-Rex bridesmaid, the world's longest noodle, and a horse that flies coach on our airlines. I know you're thinking, are you kidding me? No, I'm not, but you have to check it out after the show, exclusively on Huckabee.tv. Hey, Keith, we're going to let you do a little stand-up yourself over at the announcer's podium, and you can tell us what's coming up next. Thanks. Get ready to join me at Nashville's Hotspot, the station in for a gospel sing. Then filmmaker and presidential hopeful Ami Horowitz reveals his latest documentary. And later, country music star Daryl Worley sings a 9-11 tribute on Huckabee. Glad you're staying with us because you want to. Of course you do. By the way, if you follow me on Twitter at GovMikeHuckabee, you already know that the tears of Canada's former Prime Minister Kim Campbell, who said she hoped Hurricane Dorian would destroy President Trump's Florida hotel, those tears will now be bottled as a new essential oil. <laughs> the essence of bile. It is guaranteed to improve your snarky comments, but not your weather forecasting powers. Be sure to follow at GovMikeHuckabee and sign up for my free, and I did say free, newsletter. You can get it online. It comes twice a day to deliver directly to your inbox, and that's simply at MikeHuckabee.com. And by the way, if you're not completely satisfied with my news analysis and humor, actress Deborah Messing will put you on a blacklist of Trump supporters at no extra charge. How about that for a deal? Now, we want, we want to take you on a trip to a Nashville music institution. It's a place where you can hear the world's best bluegrass, classic country, Americana, and roots music seven nights a week. But on Sundays at 4 o'clock, you can attend an honest-to-goodness classic gospel sing. Keith Bilbrey brings us the story from the Station Inn. Here we go. One, two, one, two, three. 
several blocks from the hustle and bustle of downtown Lower Broad in Nashville, there's a little block building right here at the corner of 12th and Pine. The Station Inn, this little spot has been for the past 40 years the home of great acoustic music in Nashville. The Station Inn, come on inside. And this is the man, the best friend music ever had in this town, J.T. Gray. J.T., it's good to have you here. Good to see you, Keith. This place has just exploded uh, with high-rises and condos. And, and here's the Station Inn, this little block building down here. And uh, can we depend on this to last? <laughs> yeah. We're hanging on as long as we can. Everything looks good right now. and. Uh, we're still our little humble home right here, I call it. And mm -hmm. all I can say is long live the station in. Let me tell you how they set the atmosphere now. You come in the front door, and as you walk in, the first thing you see are a row of seats back here in the back. Those are seats from the Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs touring bus. The old Martha White bus. Yeah, the Martha yeah. White bus. The old, old Martha White Now bus. you talk about setting the scene. <laughs> now, uh, we're here on Sunday. You have Gospel Sunday. Tell me about that. That's, we, that's become very popular in this town. Val Story, who plays with the New Monday Band on Monday night, she had mentioned about maybe doing a Sunday gospel show. I said, well, you know, why not? You know, I mean, everybody likes bluegrass gospel, uh, country gospel. And I said, uh, let's, let's do it. Let's try it and see how it goes. So, well, it's, it's uh, I've I heard mean, people refer to it as their church. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They come down here to, to enjoy the gospel yeah. music and the message it brings to their heart. Exactly. And uh, it's, it's a good thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> about eight months ago. Um, it's something I'd had on my heart for some time to do a full band gospel show here in Nashville. So for our local community, it's a place that they can come anytime and hear great gospel music on Sunday after church. It's at the perfect time. We go from four to six. And then for those traveling, it's a great place. If they don't have a home church here, they can come to the station and hear some great gospel music. When she asked me if I wanted to be a part of this, I said absolutely because if she had it on her heart to do, I'm sure it's what God wanted her to do and uh, gives me a chance to witness for Christ uh, through music and I love it. This is the best environment for the, our, this kind of music, gospel, bluegrass, um, country. It's, it's just the best place for real traditional music. JT, again, thank you so much for, for what you've done to stand up for this music and keep it going. I, I've seen clubs come and go. Me and, too. But, yeah. uh, but you're here. And, well, thank you. Uh, I hope that goes on for a long time. We appreciate it, and we appreciate all the folks that help support it and keep it going. You bet. So come see us. Well, I feel like I've been to church. I love this place. If you're coming to Nashville, you've got to come to the Station Inn. It's, it's an icon in this town. And by the way, worldwide, you can check out the Station Inn at stationintv.com. If you're coming to Nashville, got to make it to the Station Inn seven nights a week. There's always great music going on here. You can count on it. I think he's having way too much fun doing the show, going to places like the Station Inn. You could tell he was having fun. He said, sometimes it's just like going to church. I'm worried that he's going to go down there and try to take an offering and keep it. That's what I'm worried about. How do you know I didn't? You know what? There's a probably good chance you did just do that very thing, Keith. Well, I hope you'll be sure to get down to the Station Inn to hear some of the finest music in Nashville and attend one of their gospel sings every Sunday at 4 p.m., but watch out for Keith. He may be there. If he's passing a basket, don't put anything in it, okay? <laughs> All the details are at stationin.com. Well, we've gone from Keith, the music reporter. Now we're gonna throw it to Keith, our show announcer. He'll tell us what's coming up. Oh, try to be versatile, you know? Coming up, Ami Horowitz takes on the Muslim Brotherhood. Then country music star Daryl Worley honors Americans as we remember 9-11 on Huckabee.
And welcome back. My next guest is known for his irreverent man-of-the-street videos and some revealing documentaries. His latest film is Serious Business, and it's a must-see if you really care about America's future. It's called The Truth About the Muslim Brotherhood. Let's take a look. The Muslim Brotherhood is an organization that began in the 1920s in Egypt as a religious and social organization. It has over the years metastasized to become the largest global Islamic organization in the world, with branches in dozens of countries. It has representatives in various governments and leadership in social and charitable organizations around the world. Its stated goals are to spread Islam and the word of the Quran throughout the world, with the ultimate objective being the creation of a global caliphate. I would be hard-pressed to find an organization within the Muslim Brotherhood umbrella organizations that rejects violence. While the leadership of the Brotherhood are unquestionably radical, I went to the streets of a Muslim Brotherhood stronghold in Cairo to meet with the rank and file and see if they hold similar views. Do you think that America's influence on the world is good or bad? America is sucking the blood of the world. I know the U.S. is burning mosques. I know that they are trying to convert Muslims to Christianity around the world. Was Osama bin Laden and the Muslims responsible for 9-11? Osama bin Laden was made in America. Osama bin Laden was made in the USA and paid for by the Jews. Osama bin Laden is a figment of the American imagination. So Osama bin Laden isn't real? Osama bin Laden was not real. I know the Jews are the ones controlling America. The Jews have a certain amount of control throughout the entire world, but America, they control completely. Whatever the U.S. is doing to the rest of the world, the U.S. is going to face. It's going to face goes definitely. Around, goes what goes around comes around. There's no question about it. It will definitely come back. And when it comes back, it's going to be ugly. A revolution is coming. It's not going to be green. It's not going to be peaceful like Arab Spring. I guarantee you that. It's going to be bloody. Please welcome from Fox News, Ami on the street, Ami Horowitz. Ami, great having you back. Nice it's to see you. It's always a friend. pleasure. It's always uh, a pleasure. This, uh, this video that you've done, it's chilling because yeah. you, you're talking to people who openly say, Osama bin Laden didn't exist. America did 911. Yeah. Now that's that's really disturbing. So who is the Muslim Brotherhood? It's the largest Muslim organization in the world and it is extraordinarily radical. It's good. Listen, its slogan is jihad is our way and dying in the name of Allah is the greatest good. That kind of says it all right there, I think. I mean, the Egyptians back in the 50s when uh, Nasser took power he used them to take power, and as soon as he got in power, he put them all in jail because he knew he couldn't trust them. I mean, the history is not a good one for these guys. They don't make any bones about the fact that they want to make sure America is destroyed, it is taken down to ashes, and, and an Islamic Republic will rise from within. And I think it's important for us to note, this, we're talking the Muslim Brotherhood here, not every Muslim in America. There's no, not at all. Many people in this country that love America, they, they love this uh, freedom that they have. Uh, they're Muslim, but they're not ready to kill anybody over it. No, no, not at all. Uh, and that's kind of their way. That's kind of what their goal is. Their goal is a global caliphate. That's really what they're looking to do. And any way they can find their way to do it, they will, whether that includes through the ballot box or through violence. And, you know, again, there's this whole debate going on on whether or not the Muslim Brotherhood should be considered a terrorist organization, put in the State yeah. Department list of terror organizations. And, and the argument that the left will make, saying, well... You know, it's just, they're, again, they're involved in politics, they're involved in charities. Look, Al-Qaeda is, is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. Mm. Hamas is a direct descendant of the Muslim Brotherhood. They make no bones of the fact that they want to use violence if they need to in order to create this global caliphate. And you're right, I want to highlight the fact that most Muslims in America do not subscribe to these things, but it is the largest Muslim organization in the world, and we have to be cognizant of that. Well, I think the documentary is uh, a very powerful reminder that there are people who absolutely deny that 9-11 was an act of Islamic terrorism and that it was just something the Americans did to stir up the world and to be able to justify going into the Middle East and starting a war. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to get my arms around that anyone would credibly believe that the government of the United States would tear down the two tallest buildings in this country and murder 
thousands of people, including a lot of first responders, and destroy New York City, basically, scare the daylights out of every American. And we did that for our own reason. I mean, that simply... It's, it's mind-boggling and it's frightening. Unbelievable. Well, Ami Horowitz's video is a must-see, and you can watch the truth about the Muslim Brotherhood, along with his other videos, as well as his movie, You In Me, and his social media links. All of that is at Ami Horowitz. Dot com. That's AmiHorowitz.com. Be sure to look on the screen. Get the spelling right. Ami is A-M-I. And be sure to watch for Ami on the street on Fox News. All right, Keith, I'm going to find out what you think we should do to bring this show for a landing. What do you think? I've got the perfect plan. Coming up, we've got a powerful country music song to honor those lost on 9-11. Daryl Morley performs next, so don't go away. After 9-11, my next guest wrote a timeless country music hit called Have You Forgotten? Its powerful lyrics have helped all of us prioritize our love for America. Would you please welcome Daryl Worley. Daryl, great having you back. Great to be here. This song was one that had an instant impact on people across this country. When you sat down to write it, what was going through your mind and your heart when you penned this song? Uh, my co-writer and I had been in a lot of different situations with a lot of people who think differently about all of these things. And uh, just some of the conversations and some of the comments that we had heard people make, that um, just seemed like not so long after all that happened that people were, you know, trying to uh, just put it in the past and completely forget about it. And we both thought that that that's might not be the grandest idea because... Uh, I think we, we need to be aware of those threats that are out there. And, uh, you know, I've had several people say that they don't think we had any idea what we were doing, and maybe we didn't, but I believe it was channeled from, uh, I think it was a message that came from on high, and we were very, very uh, thankful to get the message, and I was especially grateful for the fact that I got to deliver it. Mm. So uh, we wrote the song. Uh, it just kind of took on a life of its own after we played it on the Grand Ole Opry, and... Um, it just put a stop to everything else that I had going on and completely took over. Well, you know, it's one of those songs that even now as I hear it, and it's been almost 18 years, yes. uh, but it still has that same emotional impact on me, and I think it does on everyone who hears it, and it, it's timeless. It has not lost its touch, which is really the mark of a great song. Uh, that survives through uh, long periods of time, generations that weren't even around then sure. hearing it and uh, being blessed by it. So, Daryl, I want to thank you for uh, being an, a willing vessel to write the song, record the song, and do it with such passion and to remind all of Americans what we should never, ever forget. Thank you, sir. As Daryl gets ready to sing, I'm going to ask Keith to tell the folks at home how they can get more of Daryl Worley and his music. For music, concerts, and all other things Daryl, go to DarylWorley.com. And now, here to perform, Daryl Worley! I hear people say we don't need this war I say there's some things worth fighting for What about our freedom at this piece of ground Didn't get to keep a back in down They say we don't realize the mess we're getting in before you start your preaching, let me ask you this, my friend. Have you forgotten how it felt that day to see your homeland under fire and her people blown away? Have you forgotten when those towers fell? We had neighbors still inside going through a living hell. 
you say we shouldn't worry about been a lot have you forgotten They took all the footage off my TV Said it's too disturbing for you and me It'll just breed anger That's what the experts say If it was up to me, I'd show it every day Some say this country's just out looking for a fight after 9-11, man, I'd have to say that's right. Have you forgotten how it felt that day to see your homeland under fire and her people blown away? Have you forgotten when those towers fell? We had neighbors still inside going through living hell. And we vowed to get the ones behind Ben Laden. Have you forgotten? Been there with the soldiers who've gone away to war. You can bet that they remember just what they're fighting for. Have you forgotten all the people killed? Yes, some went down like heroes in that Pennsylvania field. Have you forgotten about our Pentagon? All the loved ones that we lost and those left to carry on. Now we don't have to worry about Ben Laden. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Thank you. Thank you very much.